0: good morning lbc radio this is Corey rosen with the story podcast today i have on a special guest kenny bechtel k a bechtel is a self-published author on amazon who loves to analyze stories write fiction and to think deeply about his faith his published works include a short story entitled mud and daisies written under the pseudonym of Yennek. that is y-n-n-e-k Yennick. and a book a, bo- a, a, a book, a book, a book of poetry called "Poems for the Redeemed Heart." He is also also the art. He is also the author of the upcoming book series, "The Night of Ladesh. Ooh, that was so not close. Ladash.
1: No one can get this half the time. This is fun. Ayadash. That's Ayad- supposed oh, it's an, to it's be an I. Got yeah. it. Got yeah. it.
0: Mm-hmm. Ayadash. Uh When he is not writing, he enjoys watching movies with his friends and obsessing over a variety of other nerdy hobbies. You can find his work at these places. He has a website, www.kabechtel.com. That is K-A-B as in boy, E as in elephant, C as in Charlie, H as in Harold, T as in telephone, E as in elephant again, L as in lion.com. You can find him on Facebook at Yennek. 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 That is Mm -hmm. uh, Y-N-N-E-K Storybunk. At Instagram at k. a. Uh, is that dot or underscore?
1: Um, that is a dot.
0: That is a dot. Yes. You can find his books like a, like you said on Amazon. So, Kenny, how are you doing today?
1: Doing all right. Yeah.
0: Good. So, what inspired you to be a writer? What was it? Was it C.S. Lewis? Was it the movies that you watch? Was it any music that you listened to?
1: Hmm. I think it was a lot of the above. Um. So. I wasn't always gonna be a writer, but my mind as a child was endlessly imaginative, and uh, you know when you're a kid and you tell stories nonstop, um, you do it just for fun. But eventually, I was thinking I could probably you know write some of these stories mm. um, and actually tell some of them. So kind of what happened was, uh, throughout high school, middle school, I started to write poetry and things like that, um, just. For fun, or just to emote, or anything like that, mm. um, and uh, yeah, I, I started that way, um, I had thousands upon thousands of ideas in my head, um, would doodle during class, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that never stopped, even in college, um, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, lots, lots of doing that, and then one day, it didn't happen all at once, but over time, I gradually started thinking... I think I kind of want to be a writer, mm. uh, so took a class on creative writing um, and decided that I was going to try my hand at it, and uh, here I am. I'm a, in the beginning stages of uh, authorship, I don't know what you call it. Oh, that sounds cool. That sounds um, cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's kind of my journey in a, nuts, in a nutshell of how I became a writer. It wasn't any kind of snap kind of a thing, uh, but... It was a gradual process of realizing that I'm a very creative person, mm-hmm. uh, and I'd like to do something about that. So. Yeah.
0: One of the interesting things, I like uh, thinking about your, your journey, knowing you as a friend, uh, was that as a writer, uh, you started writing, you started wanting to, you, your calling, mm-hmm. uh, which is something we're going we're to get to talk about, is that uh, you started writing sermons. You thought you wanted to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really interesting how writing has, no matter what, it's mm. been a point of your journey throughout... Because you have to write to be a pastor. And to be a good sermons. pastor, you have to write yes. good sermons.
1: I always wrote out my sermons. I was told plenty of times, you shouldn't write out your sermons. Just bullet points. Yeah, just bullet points. Um, But every single time, I would write full paragraphs of text. Because I feel like I'm a better writer than I am a talker. Mm. So, I'm bad at memory. So, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I always wrote out the uh, sermons and all of that, uh, and not not too much changed. I'm still writing things out, so mm. yeah.
0: It's yeah. So do you want to uh, get into the idea of calling and what what does it mean for God to call you to certain things? What does it mean for uh, for you personally? Because that has that means it's it's a it's a very subjective thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. So you do you want me to jump right into the calling section? Let's do it. Okay, let's jump into it. Calling. What is a calling? Do you know if you're called, and how do you know if you're called? These are questions I'm still gra- grappling with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've I've come to a few conclusions that I'm also still willing to be challenged on. Um, for, so let me. I'll, I'll get I'll get I'll start it this way. Um, I came to Lancaster Bible College as a pastoral ministry major. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know entirely if I wanted to do pastoral ministry. Um, but I was thinking, you know what why not let's let's see, and then if I'm not called there, God'll take me somewhere else uh, mm-hmm. and then I'll be able to uh um use this education elsewhere um so I went through college to be a pastor um, and I felt like that was my maybe my calling. I don't think I ever had a full I feel like I am totally one hundred percent called to be a pastor. Mm. Um, but I've always, I have the gift of preaching. Um, and I was like, what else do that you do go. with that? Thanks. Yeah. Uh, what else do you do with that though? Like, is I, I, I don't know. At least as a high schooler, I didn't know. So uh, what I decided to do was I was going to go to college um, to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and over like four years of college, I started to gradually see don't think I'm called to be a pastor uh, until it came to uh, junior year, finished that up, did a uh, marvelous internship. I love the internship um, at my home church uh, that I grew up in. Um, But by the end of it, I didn't feel called to be a pastor. Mm. By the end of it, I also wrote a book um, (laughs) in my free time after the church, uh, like after work at the church um, those days as well. So I was starting to wonder, maybe I'm called something else. Maybe mm. I'm called to be a writer. I
0: don't know. <sighs> have you ever thought, because thinking about uh, what you're saying now is that, uh, yeah, you maybe have the gift of preaching, but what form would that preaching take place in? Yes. Because um, as a writer, you can write stories that are not necessarily preachy, but yeah. it's, it's, you know, you write sermons mm-hmm. uh, just in a uh, complex story form. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I wanna write sermons in complex story form. Um Well I mean I mean like uh like redeeming art. You yes. get the right redeeming art, which is in of itself a uh it's you know, is preaching to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah, um, to an extent. Yeah. I would argue that a lot of C. S. Lewis was a l- just long sermons and creative, fan- fantastical uh, ways. Yeah, like the Book of Narnia. That's pretty. It's
1: that's a big it's, allegory. That's a
0: big allegory of a big sermon on on mm. on Christ and uh, so many so many things. Yeah, uh, in regards to Christian uh, doctrine, at least. Yes. Just in in fantastical. Uh, imagine like if if you gave a three year old the Bible and said. What story? Here, go read Leviticus. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, like, <laughs> it, it would probably be like uh marker, marker, like one of the gospels, because it's, it, it, Aslan is a big giant yes. part of it. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, the evil, uh, the Winter Lady. Yeah. And um, like all these different things. Yeah. If you if, probably, it, it would be a, sim- a similar tale um, in, in regards of its outlandishness.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: So it, it's really interesting how a calling or a gift can, uh, go to towards different callings. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And C.S. Lewis is interesting too. Um. I don't remember the exact quote, and it's C.S. Lewis. So there's a thousand quotes a thousand out there,
0: quotes.
1: uh, and a lot of them aren't actually his. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is hilarious. Um. Everyone just loves him so much, I guess that they gotta misquote him. No, so, I love
0: the quote from Abraham Lincoln. Uh. Don't. Don't believe everything you see on the internet. Oh, best Abe (laughs)
1: Lincoln quote ever, man. He just pulled that one out of his hat. I bet. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that was a terrible pun. I am so sorry. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, like, one of the things that Lewis kind of saw in his writings um, was, like, there's one great myth, and that myth is true, and that's what we see in Scripture. It's the truest one. Um, So from that... um, all other myths, all other forms of story um, sh- shadows and like mirrors the true uh story of the Bible mm. um, so that's another inspiration that I had uh, while um just thinking through all of this uh, and wanting to start getting into writing and all of that so
0: so moving back to the calling, what is it that how how do you find or know what your calling is? Because there's so many uh, facets of that because you have your own plan. God mm-hmm. has his own plan. How do you know uh, what you're doing is what God wants you to do?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Um, and a lot of times it's hard to know that. Um, sometimes I'm not even sure if we can be certain to a certain extents for certain things, whether or not this or that is the call of God. Um mm-hmm. So, for instance, uh, after I started questioning whether I was called to be a pastor, um, I started to think maybe I was called to be a writer. Um, Mm -hmm. And from there, I just put my whole heart and soul into writing, um, and it became a passion of mine. Um, So, for a while, I thought, I am totally called, 100%, to be a writer. Um, That is my uh, goal in life. That is my purpose in life. Um, The reason I live is... To write, because it's my calling, but that's not exactly a healthy mindset mm. um, to have. Like your whole purpose be just to write, and I started to realize that um, over time, um, and I started to question because I was doing the same thing. Okay, now I'm questioning because you know if you're a writer, um, and it might be the same with like composing music or anything else like um, that's creative. You question yourself all the time. Yes. Um, is this good enough? And if this isn't good enough, am I good enough? Yes. Why do we as artistic people do this? I don't know.
0: Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of self-torture <laughs> if we're being quite honest. It
1: is. Yes, it's terrible. Uh, so we all got to do better at that, guys. Um, but yeah, so I started questioning those kind of things. And then, of course, you question, am I called to be a writer now? And so I went through this whole crisis of sorts of like, okay, I'm not called to be a pastor. What am I doing? I went to college for this degree, paid all that money for this degree, still, <laughs> still am. Um, and like, what am I going to do with this? Uh, so I put my heart and soul in the writing. And then the question is, okay, if I put my heart and soul in this, what if this also isn't what I'm called to be? Mm. Um, but recently I've been thinking through these questions. And I've been trying to think through it biblically. Um, at one point, I was thinking, oh, there's no such thing as a calling. Um, <laughs> I think that's a little bit overkill. Yeah, um, a little bit. <laughs> that's the, oh no, I'm doomed kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is. And I think the, that calling is found in uh, um, the book of Genesis, mm. um, where God basically tells Adam and Eve uh, multiply and build, create. Yes. So, like, and both of those can be done various ways. I mean, multiply, obviously, you know, you can get married, have kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can share the gospel with people. Um, you can do all sorts of things. Um, you build. Do, you can do math.
0: Math? multiply
1: ah, uh-huh. that's, okay, that's how, i'm giving you that one. Oh my goodness what terrible love it though <laughs> yeah you can do math there you go uh math is greater than uh magic uh for those who have seen that movie mm. um but uh yeah sorry spider-man references you get that yeah i got you. I that one yeah um but yeah, so what was I saying? We got Oh, right. Okay. Genesis, yep. Genesis exactly. Um so and then like with the create like the building and creating side like there's plenty of things we can do. Um I mean like you can literally build a building. Um yes. you can uh do all sorts of other things like
0: uh you can build um, yourself up. You can build your friends m- up. You yeah. can Build a a network. You can build. You can do all sorts of things in regards to building and create. You can build a song. You can create a song. you can can do. You can do a lot of things, and that that includes creating, and you can help sustain as well. Exactly, and that's another one of the
1: God's the creator, and He's also the sustainer of all things, and that includes housekeeping, which I currently do Mm -hmm. as my full time job. Um, I sustain uh, with my friends this campus, uh, which is messy sometimes. Yes, no, please. Big, messy Flush the campus. toilet when you're done,
0: guys. Please. Yes, the dorms. <laughs> dorms. Dorms. Anyway. Crazy. Uh, yeah. So you found that in Genesis, and yes. then what?
1: Um. So I, I've just been thinking through that, and um, I've been realizing, yeah, I do have a calling, and even if I don't know if God's gonna be taking me to point A or point B, I do know, however. That um one, my God is faithful, and he's not gonna abandon me because he loves me for whatever reason. Ah, that reason's Jesus. I mm. love Jesus. Um <laughs> love Jesus. yeah, he's the best. <laughs> Woo! Um but uh yeah, um I was I got so excited about Jesus, I forgot what I was saying.
0: Um <laughs> uh, so you're you're calling uh yes. Genesis and what what you do from yeah, there.
1: So I wasn't sure exactly. Uh and I've been th- over the past few months, I've been thinking through what exactly is my calling? And I think my calling is that, multiply, build. So whatever I do, uh, even if writing doesn't become a full-time thing, which that's my hope, I have some cool projects coming out uh, that I hope you guys are excited about. If you're not, I am. We'll talk uh, about that later for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, whatever the case is, I can be sure that um, if my mindset is the uh, uh, multiply and create, um, that God can use basically anything I do, uh, so I don't necessarily need to be a pastor to minister. I don't even necessarily need to be a writer to be able to mm. minister, because uh, I see personally my writing a lot, a lot of times as a ministry. Um, mm. So ultimately, that's that's my thoughts on calling, uh, and I'm willing to be challenged by people on that. I do believe there are certain things like people are uh, called to be a pastor. Um, but even then, I've seen pastors who choose to leave the church in good terms um, because they don't feel called to be a pastor anymore or there's something else. So I think a lot of times what we're called to is where God puts us.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because I do believe that calling does change and evolve mm. over time. Uh, so it's, it's been really interesting uh, for me. When I was a child, I, I, I felt like I was being called to being a scientist. A, a zookeeper is what I wanted to be mm. specifically because I just, I love animals, I still love animals, and I just want to take care of animals, and I was very much all about animals, and all about science, too. But then, uh, when my mother passed, uh, she was a scientist, I, I grew this OCD-like behavior uh, towards science, where I can't touch anything related to science, or I feel dirty, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, that just really just shoved me into doing because the only thing I, I I did outside of science was music. Yeah. So it it just shoved me into music and it's it's interesting. Sometimes callings are very obvious and sometimes they're not obvious at all. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um for example, last night it, it was pretty obvious that God did not want me watching T V doing my computer or anything because it all just kept shutting off repeatedly <laughs> over and oh, over that again. Happens. <laughs> yeah, the technology is just being stupid. Yep. So I was like, you know what? Fine, I'll go to bed. How about that? <laughs> and then I went to bed. So it's it's really funny how uh calling can it's it's never concrete. Yeah. And it's not obvious all the time. There's a lot of prayer that goes into it. There's a lot of uh, self-reflection that goes mm-hmm. into it. There's a lot of reading the Bible that goes yes. into it to figure out exactly what it is or what lets a fire in my soul when mm-hmm. whenever I read a certain passage. And uh, for for me, it was a lot of the Psalms that lit a fire under me. And, you mm-hmm. know, Psalms the Psalms were, were music. Yes, exactly. And uh, David was the, the main writer of those songs. I really saw myself within David not the not the Goliath story, but rather mm-hmm. the uh the more tragic aspects of yeah. his mm-hmm. story that really inspired me to do music, yeah so going on uh do you want to talk about the poems of the redeemed heart and what got you inspired into that what made you want to start writing poems you did work in the music industry a little bit with like musical theater you, you did some of I that say
1: work uh but i did my toes yeah so yeah um i music it's interesting because like i've been doing musicals and stuff like that uh for fun um like, in high school, uh, in college. Uh, mm-hmm. But before then, I did not do any music stuff. Uh, this is hilarious. Because I don't even know what grade it was. It was it was an elementary school. Um, we were singing some sad song or something, and little Kenny was like... This is sad. So I just like randomly started crying uh during uh whatever you call it, um during the music. Um the concert? It was suppo- yeah, the concert we were supposed to be singing. I was crying. And since then I'm like, I'm never going to sing in front of people ever again. Um so then I decided uh somewhere in high school. Um, because they did a Beauty and the Beast, and that was amazing. Yeah. And I was like, you know, what? I I think I might actually like to do a musical or something. You went to Hemfield, right? No, I went to Northern Lebanon. Oh okay, yeah. no, we got tractors.
0: We got tractors. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, that was a thing growing up. Um, for the city folk, uh, people sometimes drive their tractors to school. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's really funny. <laughs> it is. It's, <laughs> it's cool. Is park a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It's kind of cool though. It's like. At least you're being unique,
0: right? You like, know, if you who, have a tractor, who's why got why the not? best car? It's like there's a tractor, there's a yeah. there's a pickup truck, there's a yeah, you know.
1: yes, yeah. Uh, but I had a lot of fun. Um, <clears throat> we had an awesome uh, music teacher, uh, Mrs. Master. She was awesome. Uh, so shout out to her. Um, but yeah, so I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna do some. Uh, um, The play, I don't sing in a play, right? Mm. So I did a play, I go for a small part Um, I get a medium-sized part with a lot of talking Cast as the dad character who gets to yell and bang his head off the piano So much fun Uh, That was the man who came to dinner Uh, And then the next year it was uh, um, uh, Arsenic and Old Lace And uh, I got to be uh, Teddy Brewster Who thought he was Theodore Roosevelt And yelled, charge! All the time, so much fun so I I have a and then you know I was in uh um, Mary Poppins Mary here Mary Poppins here
0: as Mr. Banks. Uh, oh no you're the no, bank oh, teller you're the bank teller no you I were the bank, bank teller. Uh,
1: teller. Uh, yeah. Ruining the bank is yes, still one yes, of my favorite yes. lines ever. Um I was uh um uh, uh what was what was the other ones? We I know there was
0: there was Ruth we we did uh, you we weren't you weren't in, I you, was were, in Ruth. you were in Ruth. Ruth, Ruth yes. Ruth Ruth, um Science th- Sounds uh, Yes.
1: Uh that was that was amazing. Um yeah, that one uh science
0: Sound that we, we performed it here at LBC not at Science Sound. Yeah, Just, and it was like the first time. The first uh, time, yeah, the first
1: Sight and Sounds property and all that. Yeah, that we
0: was. LBC got the chance to produce the first sight and sound production that was not performed at a sight and sound location. Yeah,
1: and it was so sweet too, because 'cause Mr. Felty let me uh, uh teach the devotionals. Like, yeah, that's man, what I remember. That, yeah. I was bitter at that time because of the whole calling thing and all. Mm-hmm. Um and like a whole lot of stuff and just being able to teach those and see how uh um Naomi goes from being empty the fool was powerful in my life. Mm. So thank you, Mr. Felty, uh, for letting me teach that. Um uh so that was that was fun. Ruth was fun. Um I was the character Reuven. Um there was uh in Bye Bye Birdie, I was like the mayor character. Mm. Uh that was a fun one. Um Oh, what was the other one? Um, Oh, yeah, it was uh, Hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. That was a fun one. Um, And I was uh, the old guy at the – I was the judge. Um, I forget what I said in that one, uh, but it was fun. I wore a wig, a big curly wig. It was great.
0: (laughs) So uh, how do you – does that translate into you wanting to do poems more, like, structured? uh, Because music is poetry.
1: Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Um, so I started writing poetry around middle grade a lot during uh, um, uh, like high school and college. Um, so I can vividly remember me sitting in the back of like the music room uh, in high school on this little like black rocking. Well, it's it's a normal like computer chair, mm-hmm. but the wheels are missing. So I use it as a nice little ground rocking chair, just writing poems and things like that on my off time um being around music uh and being in like that environment definitely helped a lot of the words be more um lyrical i think mm-hmm. um i don't have any music my 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 expertise is not in writing music or anything like right. that um so i don't even try that but i try to write uh poetry um but yeah, doing uh, musicals helped a lot um, to be able to help me to become a better uh, poet. Um, but for me, a lot of times, like like with this book, um, a lot of times it was just me kind of sitting uh thinking through something in the Bible or thinking through something in my life um, and like trying to convey emotion and feeling and uh, truth as well. I'm putting all those together on the page um, and just trying to communicate through poem. Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of where these, all of this poetry came from. Um, if that makes sense.
0: So, so it's a, it's a collection of multiple years of yeah. poetry. Yes. Gotcha.
1: This was not written in the day, uh, this book. It was written Oof. in about, I mean, no book I read. what I was going to say. What I tried, <laughs> um, but, um, not written in the day, it was written over like maybe somewhere between six to eight years. Uh, some, of, some of the poems you read in this book came from, might be one or two middle school Kenny ones, uh, but a lot of them are high school Kenny or college Kenny poems. Mm. Um, so I don't know if I can pinpoint when I wrote this or that, um, or even the stories behind half of them. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, this was a work of multiple years. Um, it was not written overnight, uh, I just started to slowly make sure that I, like, con- collected all of the, uh, different poems I did.
0: So what was it like to, uh, put it all together?
1: <laughs> the publishing process is annoying.
0: <laughs> I, I don't doubt that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so writing is so much fun, I could do it all day. Um, but, uh, the whole publishing process is very annoying. So my first book wasn't Poems for the Redeemed Heart. It was not and Daisies. I went under the pseudonym of Yenick, which is Kenny spelled backwards, because I thought that was cool for whatever reason. Um, it's not, um, K.A. was way more professional. It,
0: it, yes.
1: <laughs> I'm glad I decided to switch that. Um, but it was fun while it was. Um, I still got to rebrand some of my website and all that. Um, but... Uh yeah the the whole publishing process uh can be annoying there's a few ways to go uh currently with the book that I'm writing right now I'm trying to go the traditional publishing route mm. uh which basically I will send um like these query letters which are basically saying hey here's my book here's what it's about uh here's what I think you might be interested in representing it uh and then I'll send those letters to agents and then the agents will say yay or nay uh it's a very tedious process um And you never really know if you're going to have people say, yeah, I want this book. It fits the market or not. Because sometimes books don't fit the market as well. Um, And that's a hard thing as an author because you might have a book that you're very passionate about and other people have read. It just doesn't fit the market. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll see if it fits the market or not or if I'll pave my own path. Um that's the best way I think uh for many uh, like the easiest way probably to do it though if I ever do become a traditionally published uh, guy I'm not sure if i you will know, still call it easy we'll see um right.
0: but it's probably a lot of emails you got to send cuz yeah. surely you shouldn't just email one and then no. and then what well, if they deny it you email another but you have to probably just send just a bunch yep. and and figure and uh it's cold calling but emails cold Yes, it's right. Horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, I <laughs> uh, there's a lot of emails I've had to send for like sto- the story podcast, and it's it's mm. wildly unprofessional for me because it's because I'm not used to writing no. emails. I I don't know what the proper etiquette is. Once, funnily enough, I don't one like time asking people stuff. Yeah, well, it's it's it's, it's <laughs> ask, know, how least... do you how do you ask people stuff? Yeah. How do you uh, present and do that professionally? Yes, there's uh, I've realized one one funny story I have from. Uh, college was that the the director the head director of LB, of lbc's like mwp department was like hey when you email me you should it's it, you should say uh dr paul comma and because i never really had like intros i would mm-hmm. i would just say hey this is what i need and, and like again i have a question this is the question yeah yeah and it, mm-hmm. but he, he was like you really need to learn how to do a proper email if you want to get anywhere and i was like I guess
1: you <laughs> better than I would do uh for work a lot of times I used to sometimes still do but I know them they're cool um just put dumb emojis or gifs in it uh, oh my so that's the worst don't do that I haven't done that for any of the agents that I've uh um I've uh, sent them to so I I've learned that lesson of being uh professional and I'm still learning that um I wore a nice shirt today. I usually mm. just wear a Star Wars shirt or something.
0: Professionalism is something that I have had to really dial in over the college. Because you know me, I used to wear the stupid shirts all the time and gym shorts. are fun they're, they were so fun. I got they're comfy. Co- co- <laughs> they're comfy, and I got compliments on them. But um, it, it would always give me weird looks when I would ever like go into like the professional setting. I didn't have uh, any dress shirts. This is mm. actually a dress shirt from like. Uh, I had four years ago that I I just randomly found and it surprisingly still fits. So I, I I and all the newer dress shirts. I, have you seen me wear my newer dress shirts? I might have. I don't um, know. I it's funny. I bought those two years ago to impress a girl, and uh, they didn't fit me at all because you know sizes are weird when you yeah. order them from like Amazon or yep. whatever <laughs> Dressly whatever. But now it's surprising they fit me and they work really well. It's good. So it's, it's, professionalism is definitely uh, something you have to think about within the music realm. And, and you have to realize that you have to dress for the occasion. Yeah. Because there are times where you can wear silly shirts and that's totally fine. And that's actually what's preferred. If, if you wear a suit or a dress shirt, you're going to be out of place at, mm. at some of these places. So it, it's, it's really important to – because, yeah, you want to have your own style. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's for sure. You want to have, like, your own dressing style, your own fashion style. And that is, yes, important. But also, you need to be – you have to work within the system you're in. Yeah. You're not going to get anywhere if you go to a professional meeting or, like, something like this, like the story podcast. Uh which is not that professional. I'm not. I'm not trying to sell myself higher than what I am. He is super professional. I am the like, ultimate professional person. I never make mistakes. Never ever ever. ever He's perfect. Clearly. I am. I, I'm not going to say heresy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to go that far. But um, uh, it's you got to realize people are going to be watching this, and people who are going to look for professionalism are going to watch this. I, I granted, I have an unbuttoned shirt here, but it's it's also kind of the style I'm going for. I'm Mm. not going for like ultimate professionalism. Mm -hmm. So yeah, find your style is definitely important. Yeah. Uh, So what's it like to not do the back to publishing? What is it like to not do the traditional style of publishing?
1: Yeah. So that was the whole traditional style. Uh, uh, And then with that, if you do traditional, you have a whole, like the agents represent you. You have a publishing house to do all the editing.
0: Editing must be a nightmare.
1: Editing, yes, is the nightmare. Um, So let's talk about self-publishing, which is what I do. And it's a pain, but I will endure the pain because it's worth it. Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you have to think about. Uh, So, Mm. for example... This book of poems right here is the one that I have with the lovely paper clip not included uh <laughs> pin not included not paper clip let's be uh, real here. So um this one of the things you have to think about is cover. Now Amazon, I use amazon.com uh to do it because it's the easiest way to do it um and mm. it's Amazon so pretty accessible it's to most people.
0: Literally built off selling
1: books. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like that's what I do uh with this um they have this cover maker um but I'm not a big fan of it because mm. you just click and drag like things and uh it's not very it doesn't look very professional and I try to have my covers as professional looking as possible.
0: Yeah, for anyone who's buying a book, you definitely do judge the book by its cover.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, they like as much as we wish you didn't, we know people judge books by the covers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, what what I did for *Mud and Daisies*, which was the short story I wrote, um, uh, I had a friend um, from uh, 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 high school. High school, uh, Rebecca Preble. Uh, she did the cover art, uh, and she did an amazing job on that one. Um, uh-huh. Oh, and for *Mud and
0: Daisies*.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, she drew it all out, um, and. Cover art's not her thing. Uh, she's, I think, from what I remember, currently a tattoo artist. And she's, like, really doing really good. From what I've seen That's on cool. Facebook. So, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get a tattoo. Needles, ouch. Like, all just, like, I as art. Yep.
0: I don't mm. hate needles, like... No, I hate needles. I can't do it. <sighs>
1: well, then I'm not going to describe the feeling of a needle going into you at all for you.
0: Well, I already know <laughs> what it feels. I've had it done to me several times, and I hate Gotcha.
1: It. Yeah, <laughs> I've had it done to me too much. But, yeah, so... It's cool. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear like, the art on your arm. At least I used to. I, I don't think I ever will. But I like, have a big appreciation for like tattoos now, too. Because like, as an artist now, I'm like, huh, I get that. Wanting to show off your art and who you are. That makes sense. Me? Would I do it? No. Um, it, but yeah. I respect that a lot now. More, more than I did when I was a kid. Um, because yeah, you have there's, biases there's, as a kid. yeah. There's it's definitely
0: well, there's a Christian stigma against tattoos I know, as it's well. Dumb. It's uh, there are some scriptures, valid scriptures yeah. that that do like don't mark your body or yeah. stuff like that.
1: And I I see those in an old covenant kind yeah. of text. Yes, yeah, so that's so, that's exactly yeah. that's exactly the point. It's exactly. like it's it's
0: in the, it's in the old covenant, not the new covenant. Yeah. Uh, so it's it, it's it, but yeah, a tattoo artist and to have the capability. To draw something on a human with it looking good. Yeah,
1: I know it's pretty impressive, it, isn't
0: it? No, one of my best friends, uh, Cody Kilburn. I'm going to have him on next Monday, actually. Uh, he is incredible. The 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 process he has to go through to create like these flowers on not uh, not flat surfaces. We'll call <laughs> it that. Um, yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, to to do it. and to manage people like wiggling and pain oh and, and like writhing in pain yeah. because people don't realize how because you know there's different sensitive areas of, of the body yeah uh, your mm-hmm. arm isn't as sensitive as maybe your face or your neck or what, or whatever yeah uh i and your fingers especially um goodness. so you have to the amount of talent is yeah. incredible but for cover art
1: yeah so she did the cover art for that um, and for that, um, because I'm trying to get into the art and all, uh, I did pay her for that. So there's some money that is involved. Um, she gave me a nice discount, so thank you so much. Um, but for this one as well, um, this was done by uh, uh, my pastor at that time uh, from the church that I grew up at, uh, Pastor uh, David Brant. Mm. Um, he is a tech wizard. Uh, and he's good with Photoshop and all. And this lovely cover um, was done by him. Um, it's really good. Yeah. And for free, which oh, was nice. the sweetest thing ever because um, he did not have to do that. And I was totally going to pay him, uh, but he insisted. So, um, yeah. So cover art is one of the things you have to consider. Uh, mm. And a lot of times that will involve money. Um, yes. You should expect it to. Um, not everyone would do things for free. Um in, and I'm gonna make, which makes sense yes. because livelihoods yeah
0: to make a point on that um there's i'm not selling it, my books for free yeah right exactly <laughs> yeah it, it's it's for like cover art for 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 my uh i did i did my logo myself but yeah. i'm gonna it, it's it can be done better uh, that, that's mm. what i'm gonna say uh and i'm gonna have it done better by uh some friends of mine and and uh, I'm always an advocate for paying your friends yep. uh, because, first off, it's supporting them. Like, mm. yeah, they'll do it for free, but also I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you regardless because I I think you deserve it. And um and uh, so that's that's my thought process. And yeah, finding people to do your art, I think it's so much better. Like, yeah, you can go on Fiverr and mm-hmm. find somebody who would do a great job or you know the person you but you know the them. person and exactly. and it's it's a much cleaner process of yeah. like hey I want this changed a little bit can you do that mm. and cuz yep. someone someone that you don't know is going to be like it's going to get annoyed and never yeah. work for you again but a friend maybe maybe also a little slightly annoyed it, they're your friend you know mm. they're going to they're going to support you and it's it's supporting you know it's it's community that's what it yeah, is yeah exactly so, if you ever have to have somebody do a cover art, even ask some of your friends, hey, do you know anybody that does this? Mm-hmm. I, my, one of my best friends in the entire world, she went to an a, a art college in Philly, and I, I am always asking her, hey, do any of your friends know, because chances are I, I've, I've met them as well, mm-hmm. but I'd love to give them work because, you know, they're struggling college students, Yeah. and college <laughs> students definitely need money. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'd love to support them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of times art is community. Like, Mm -hmm. um, art isn't just made in a vacuum. It's made with and around people, um, no matter how you look at it. Because, like like I said, with this cover art, uh, for both of those books, um, it's a community kind of a thing where I need to ask for help with this and be willing to pay, uh, expect to pay, and want to pay, pay, even. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. wanting to pay. Exactly. Yes. Um, Like, so... I need help with that. I can't do it, so someone else is going to have to do that uh, and uh, really be able to carry that section. And then editing. Um, I do a lot of the editing myself story-wise or even like for the poems. um, Just like, okay, does this make sense kind of a thing. Formatting Uh, too. Formatting. I'm not the best at grammar. Um, So for both of the two books that I've published so far, uh, one of the ladies from the church that I grew up at, her name is Betty. Ah, uh, Betty herb, you're amazing. Um she like edited like crazy these two books and found all the grammar errors. um, and like it's it's solid, like it's really good. um and i was I was blessed by that. Uh, and the funny thing is, like she wasn't a big fan, like it wasn't her mud and daisies is not her style of story. Mm. um, and that's that's okay. um, but she was willing to edit that. Now, she loved the poem book. That was her style. Um, but the willingness to edit that was so great. So, what was so far, let's summarize what we've got <laughs> is we've got cover. We've got, I have to make edits. We've got someone else is going to come he- in here and make edits. Um, then, if we're talking about the books that I'm currently writing, um, I want people, because it's a narrative, a big narrative, uh, a branching narrative, I want to make sure it makes sense, the characters make sense, that um, they're pushing the plot forward, things like
0: that. It's create interest for the next book. Exactly,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have my friends read it. Um, I have mm-hmm. different people read it uh, that are interested in the genre, uh, are interested in what I'm writing. Uh, and then they give me feedback of, Kenny, this is great, I love this. Kenny, this doesn't make sense. Uh, what are you doing here? Oh, uh, try it this way. Huh, huh. That does work that way. I like that better. That's kind of how it goes sometimes. Yeah, I've, so, been a,
0: I've been a part, uh, a party to a few of those conversations. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's very interesting. Do you want to? Uh, is that pretty much all you have to say about the self-publishing process?
1: Um, basically, with Amazon, it is. You you might want to get a uh, a barcode. Um, mm-hmm. There's different ways to do it too. You get a bunch of extra copies to see if it actually looks right. You got to format. Formats yep. of pain, uh, but that's all under the editing branch. Right. Uh, so, it's it's a pain, but it's a blessed pain.
0: <laughs> there, there's some people who really thrive throughout the pain of like the creative process, mm-hmm. and uh, that's something I kind of want to get into now. Is uh, how do you create a story? How does that process work? Is it all in your head, and do you write it all down? Do you do plot points? Do you do bullet points? Because for me, when I was writing my musical, uh, a lot of it I had already just fleshed out in my head i was like all right i'm gonna have this slave family that need to escape to Mm -hmm. the north all right so how does that happen i've i I start listing out my characters and figuring out the relationships between them and then i slowly just did plot point by plot point and i started interconnecting the characters because i thought that was way more fun than just not yeah and then uh so I, i it was literally lines like all right savannah goes here and tells this, and then all right. Next, and next, what happens? It this happens next? It it was a way more detailed than just like plot point, plot mm-hmm. point, plot point. But it was it was it was basically a uh you you like like an action list, yes, a list of actions. And then yes. from there on, I I did dialogue, and then uh just expanded it more and more. And then from there, from the dialogue, I did the music, and uh. Through that process, what is it like for you? The
1: process of writing that's that's a good question. I've tried it a few times. Uh, I'm going I'm going to but I'm thinking through this. I'm going to think through this in the terms of the book that's not yet released, the Night of Ayodash, um without giving any, away any spoilers of course because mm-hmm. I want you guys to be able to enjoy that uh, when you get it. Um, but I'm going to think through the process of writing that because that was a pretty expansive one. Um, compared to what I've already uh, written so far. Um, with that one, I thought of the idea up when I was in high school, doodling uh, doodles in Spanish class, um, thinking very C.S. lewis like, oh, I would like to have this knight with this powerful armor kind of a thing. Now, a lot of the powerful armor stuff has disappeared, but there is one thing in it, a powerful sword. Um, so while, while I'm thinking through all of these things, I had that idea. Um, and I just continued to think through it. Um, I will open up a sketchbook. I will doodle these characters so that I can for some reason for me writing and drawing is connected. Uh granted I'm not the best uh, like artist. Um, but like it helps me think through some things. So I'll doodle these characters. Um, this is how this character looks, this is how that character looks. Um I'll try to do the background sometimes, not great at backgrounds. Mm. Uh so I will doodle things, I will think through things, and then I start making, like, outlines and stuff like that. And a lot of times these are just bullet points, like, I think it would be cool if this character did this, or I think it would be cool if this character did that.
0: Um, gotcha, so it wasn't more of, like, a storyline, it was just more of, like, oh, what if they did this?
1: Yeah, I start a lot of times with, like, images in my head, because I'm very imaginative, mm-hmm. Um as a kid, like, you know, when you're in the car and, like, you're, like, the... Uh, you see
0: someone chasing along you, along yes, the car. Yes, exactly. And and jumping it's over all the signs Usually, and
1: like, jumping from, like, building the building yep. and all of that. Um, it's, like, I'm always so imaginative. Um, and so I will think of, like, one of the images in uh, this book, uh, without giving anything away, is this creaky old bridge that's falling apart Um, with fire around and a duel in the middle of it. Mm. And I'm just like, that is an image that I really, really love. Um, And I want to do something with that. Um, So I will think through that. Um, I'll have these moments playing on repeat in my mind, uh, sometimes to the point where i obsess over them. I'm basically living these stories out in my mind. Um, And... uh, yeah, then I'll start writing down things with the characters. In my mind, I'll form the story. Like, okay, I want to get this to this point. I want to get this to that point. Uh, and then I'll start forming the story. So I will usually, what I like to do is like a paragraph, like a small, maybe not a paragraph, like smaller paragraphs. Um, like a, s- not even scene sometimes. Sometimes it's scene, sometimes it's moment by moment. It's depending how vivid it is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh sort of outline of the book. So like I know with um the the night of Ayadash um that's maybe I have like a three page outline that's been edited a bazillion times um for the first and for the second one cuz it's a two part series with room to expand. Um so I will imagine it first. I will do a little bit uh during the whole process half half the part just for the fun of it. Uh but the other half of the part is like it actually helps me think through some things. Mm-hmm. Um, then I will start with the outlines, um, and then I'll start attempting some writing uh, things. So I first tried to write the story when I was, it was in college, uh, maybe freshman, uh, or, uh, what's the one after freshman, sophomore, sophomore, yeah. <laughs> freshman or sophomore year. I have this version of the story and this story is a fantasy Uh. story as it is now, at that point, it was some weird fantasy sci-fi hybrid that I don't know why I was thinking it was a good idea. Mm. Um, it could have worked in certain things, but not that story. Um, so I tried to write it a few times. Uh, eventually, I gave up multiple times. And then I decided I was going to sit down. I did that outline thing. Um, and I, in my mind, I worked it enough in my mind that I'm like, I'm sold. I've sold myself on this story. I've told it to other people, um, again, community, artist community, and they seem to be vibing with the story. They seem to like it. Uh, so what I do at then is I decided that I'm going to sit down and consistently write, and I did that. Um, and then after that, you have a book, <laughs> but you need to edit the book and yes. go back. So after I have it all written, I do the outline, I get to the writing you go back, you look at all the things, you see what works, what doesn't vibe with you. Because a lot of times I just go off gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you need guts and you need logic. They both are important. Um, they both need a balance. Emotion and logic in writing needs a balance in every page. It's, it's a hard act sometimes. But um, I'll go back, I'll see what I think works, what doesn't. Um, and then, yeah, I'll just make edits. Uh, I know at one point in one of the stories, I felt the one character wasn't pushing it along as much as it should. Uh, so I made some major edits to that, and I love it now. Um, so it's a lot of catching your mistakes as you go, um, taking notes of them, going back. But yeah, I start I start with an idea, an imagination, um, and then an outline, and then I write the full thing. It's it's. Some people will just write things uh, without an outline. Uh, some people need an outline. I'm a little bit of both.
0: So That's fair. Yeah, I didn't really need an outline. It, it, it was kind of almost free flow in some mm. aspects. Um, but uh, when I got serious about writing the story, I was like, okay, I have to figure it out. Uh, I got to figure out where it ends, figure out a uh, different plot point. Because, you know, a slave family, from being enslaved to escaping, that's a lot to happen. Yeah. And to fit it in the musical mm-hmm. time span is a lot to consider. What's the average musical time span? Um, so it's usually I'm not a professional, but I'm gonna say it's like an hour thirty two hours.
1: That makes sense. okay. Yeah. um, that's pretty short for like that pretty story. short
0: for, for yeah. that story. yeah, yeah. It, and uh, to get all the plot points and beats mm-hmm. that I want. Uh, so i'm I was I'm heavily considering. Uh, what if what if I just made it into like a short little TV series, mm-hmm. like like uh Netflix sometimes puts on like six episodes yeah. of uh, one hour things. That's Kenobi. And, and yeah, and I, I, yeah right. Disney has been doing that too. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that would be a lot more fun. It it would be just a lot more time just to sit with the characters and really, it, it pull out the heartstrings yeah. at it, mm-hmm. and and that's what I, that's that's kind of uh, where I'm at now. But I definitely need to. I don't have the technology to do or the capability yet, as of yet to uh, As, of yet. Uh, as of yet. As of yet, as of yet to <can> <laughs> to uh put that into production. But mm-hmm. I should definitely figure it. It, it's been weird because twenty twenty happened and oh, the yeah. George Floyd riots happened yeah. and and that just put a whole different light on mm-hmm. uh like black history as yeah. as in as in general. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, I kinda haven't had a chance. I haven't gone back to it in a very long time. I haven't really looked at it or uh, gone back to it at all, besides mm. rewriting or reworking the first song because I think it's one of my strongest uh, songs ever that I've ever written, um, because I, I've I've worked on it so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I definitely have, and there's something to be said about that too. Uh, doing a project, leaving it aside, and then coming back to it was because mm. different mindset. You got to re-familiarize, refamiliarize yourself. With it and then, uh, that oftentimes, at least for me, has led to so much better story writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's something to be said about that. So, what are your convictions when writing a story? Oh boy, oh
1: boy, oh boy, I, I have a whole paper about this. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, okay, ooh, crinkly paper in the microphone. Haha, <laughs> okay. That was very professional, I me mean, was wasn't. Very it? professional. Very professional. Uh, so okay, so here's some of my writer's convictions. Um, I just thought this would be a fun thing to share um, because I remember it was during one of the missions week or something. I think like I, I was sitting in, um, I guess it's a dance studio now, but it was like the the two hundred one. Yeah, two hundred one. Yeah. The choir, uh, the choir the room. Room. Um, and there was like some. I, I honestly forget what it was about. Probably something with art, um, and I just started writing down all these writer, writers' convictions, and it, it expanded over time. So, here's my personal writers' convictions, um, and I just think this—I thought this would be a fun thing to share with people. Uh, so here's the kind of things when I'm writing, I like to keep these things in my mind as I write. So. There's seven principles. Wait, nope. It looks like I expanded. There's nine. Nine, nine <laughs> principles. Uh, the first one, I know how to count. Uh, the first one is the principle of play. Uh, simply it's have fun, let work be play, and experimentation. So sometimes I will write um, and I will just think,
0: okay, I need to get this done. This I can't be bothered to yeah, write I, anymore. Yeah, it's like this is not yep. fun
1: anymore. Um, or you're just writing something because you know that that's what people want. And I know that's what a lot of people mm. do. Um, People-pleasing. Yeah, um, right. or just, like, trend following. And that's fine. But that's not me. I'd rather have fun with what I'm doing. So, like, I'm, I only want to write a story, basically, a story that I will enjoy, that I am passionate about. So, yeah. a story that I can play with and experiment with um, and try different things with. So, the principle of play is number one. Uh, The second one is the principle of work. So this goes hand in hand uh, with the first one. This one is don't be lazy. Spend time with your stories. Live it in your head, like I was saying earlier, uh, and see if it makes sense and then put it to paper, uh, put pen to paper. So with that, on one hand... Uh, writing is like play you get to play in your imaginary sandbox with all your imaginary action figures and your well your head's not imaginary um, oh, right. and you get to just have them do fun and exciting and amazing things um, but on the other hand it still is work you still have to be consistent and set time for yourself make time for yourself to actually write and pursue this dream of yours Um and you want to make sure you're writing in a way that's understandable. And sometimes mm. that means doing your research. Uh, learning about like different theories in writing like the, um, oh, what's it called? The hero's journey and things like yes. that. Yes, yeah. Yeah, or different like I've, I've watched different things about like how in animation they break things up. I don't remember it off the top of my head but I have a, a notepad uh, written down with like, okay, here's like at this moment something big's going to happen and interestingly enough it all kind of follows the uh hero's journey a lot. Uh yes, most, most stories. Most stories. I don't yep. want to say all, um but I think most do. Mm-hmm. Uh but there's some work involved in thinking through some of that. So, uh shall I move to the next one? Sure. Number 3 is the motive principle. Characters require a motive.
0: Yes. You the worst stories out there are passive leads.
1: Yes, exactly. Um I learned this one firsthand, uh, which goes with the uh, um, the next one, uh, the principle of change. This is, goes with the third one. Um, characters change the plot mm-hmm. or the plot changes the characters. So the character doesn't necessarily need to change the plot in and of itself, but the character better change by that plot if that's the case. I've learned these two, um, including the next one I'm about to share, uh, with one of my drafts on the Night of um, Like The main character was kind of just moving along. I'm like, this isn't right. I'm going to fix this. And I did. I'm very proud of myself for doing so. Because now he's moving. Well, either the plot is moving him to the place he needs to be, or he is literally taking up the sword and moving the plot. Uh, yeah. So that's yeah, that very important kind of a stuff. Or else you're gonna just have a static story filled with image that's not it's, gonna be that exciting. Yeah, st-
0: uh, some of the some of the uh, it can be done. Yeah. However, it's it's you gotta do it right. Um, and I when, don't know if I know how to. Right, so. stories <laughs> that stories well, yeah. that are things that happen to people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay, but but it's it's really hard to make because. If you if you don't do anything if that if you just have a character that things happen to and they just respond to it and don't really push for anything that's not the most interesting yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. It, you ha- you should have a character that is wanting something that is motivated by something. Any great any any of the works that we that we as Western civilization calls great, mm-hmm. it always has a a person who. <laughs> needs to do something or is trying to do something mm-hmm. or uh or there are something some where something happens to them and then they have to it's they're forced to do something yeah. and, and but they but they continue to do something exactly yeah mm-hmm. so it's you can't just have a story where things constantly happen and happen and and nothing happens to the yeah. character you
1: bore everyone
0: yeah and yourself <laughs> it's you just like that. it's like a lot a lot of History is yeah. like that. It's kind of yeah. boring.
1: It's, it's history is history. A story is a story. Mm-hmm. Um, there are stories in history, uh, yes, but um, yeah, I'm not trying to write a history book. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to write a story book. <laughs> so, yeah, so I would say the principle of change is important. Um, and then this that goes right into principle five. The protagonist should always be actively driving the story forward through his actions or lack thereof. Yes. I think lack thereof can also drive the story yes. too like what if this character doesn't do this thing that he knows he should well what might happen well something is going to happen and it might not be what he or she wants to happen uh and then there'll be consequences
0: so it's like a one of one example i can think of is in Mega Mind where they refined Mega Man and he's like, I don't I'm not gonna do anything. Yeah. I'm just gonna sit here do do nothing. Mm-hmm. And so Mega Man is forced yep. to yes. uh to be the protagonist.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly it. So yeah, so get active is that one. Six is an interesting one. Uh the parable principle. Mm. What is the lesson or truth that I am trying to communicate? Mm. What does it teach society? What does it commend or warn? Every story is teaching something. Every whether story they know has, it or not. Whether they know it or not, exactly. Every story has something they say. Watch your latest Disney flick or uh, MCU film or Star Wars. There's always some through line of some message that's trying to be conveyed, good or bad, um, that they are trying to put on us. And it's okay because as humans, we want to convey these things. We want to teach each other. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Um, so my, the way I approach writing a lot of times, especially the writing narratives, is um, almost like it's a parable. Uh, it's a story that has a lesson, oftentimes spiritual, Night of Ayodash has some pretty important spiritual lessons uh, that I found in my life um, in story format, um, but it's also a story. It's not just, here is the sermon that I'm going to preach to you today. Please open the Bible right. too, which is, there's a valid place for that um, in the church or even with friends sometimes. Well, lectures
0: uh, are like that. It's, yeah. It's very much school.
1: It's it's good to be taught scripture. Yeah. Um, like, I love the churches that like will open up the Bible and look through the passage, like covering every single part of verse. <clears throat> I love that stuff. Um, But that's preaching. Yeah. It's not always storytelling now some preachers can do really good storytelling and i love that um some of my favorite preaching is that um but you got to you got to hit every point of the passage even if i'm not going to be a pastor i'm 100% going to be rooting for biblical preaching all the time um and good preaching right. so but a, a sermon and a book is very different right. uh but it's interesting because when i look in the bible i see jesus all the time talking in parables Basically, talking in stories um, constantly. Um, like Sometimes people don't understand his stories. Uh, a lot of times they do, uh, and when they don't, uh, he will explain to his disciples sometimes what they mean. Um, we as humans are wired to really enjoy stories, mm-hmm. uh, to consume them. Uh, that's why we watch so many movies, because we love consuming stories. Even music. It's same with music, and a lot, there's a lot of stories in music. Even when you don't like realize it right off the top, like of your head, every song, every song has a message. Yeah, every song has a message or a story behind it, and I think it's the same with uh, with uh, books. Every uh, book has a story behind it. Every story has a message or a meaning um, that um, has a point for the author. There's some. Some I don't remember what it's called, but there's there's some sort of uh. I've heard people say you can get any kind of a meaning out of a story, um. And, yeah. In one sense, I get that, but in another sense, the author has an actual intention.
0: Yeah, that's that's something that's uh, <sighs> oh my goodness, that's something that always gets me about the Bible is that like, well, this verse can mean anything. No there was one specific intent purpose for yeah. for writing that verse and it's our job to figure it out maybe maybe God used
1: that verse in a special way in a unique way in your life uh but and or even a movie sometimes not as powerful as scripture I'd say um not by a landslide um but uh like even a movie or story or something like that um where I feel I watch this movie and it means something to me mm-hmm. it, it like it really affected me powerfully and it makes me want to change or do something. Um But like, at least in scripture, um, and I think in films and uh stories and books and comics or whatever it be, there is an actual authorial intent intent. Uh, you, maybe you got something else from him out of it, but there's, there is an don't, actual intent. Don't, don't miss the context.
0: Don't miss, don't miss the context yeah. and don't, uh, don 't think that your interpretation yeah is, is the correct one is the correct yeah. one it, and it, there's some people who speak with authority on scripture that may or may not be correct we 'll never know the true intent mm-hmm. of certain verses until we we get to heaven we uh, can do our best and we, we can, can do, our do our, our best. best we can, and we're trying to do our best there's some people who who don 't try their best and those yeah. the <laughs> that 's unfortunate but um unless it 's abstract art there 's always an intent,
1: yeah even abstract art like the Sometimes intent is intent. It's to, to be, be abstract. abstract. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's an intent even behind that. Um so it's like I I think everything has like every author has something that he's trying to say. Every storyteller has something that's trying to be said and there is a definitive meaning uh to it. Um yeah, it might affect you in different ways and I mm-hmm. think that's valid. Yes. But there's a definitive meaning meaning. Um and when Jesus told his parables, he wanted to um Get a spiritual point across that they were not going to hear any other way, um the Pharisees yeah. are like, well, is he talking about us yeah, wait a,
0: like, wait a minute, but
1: you go kill this guy they <laughs> don 't like yeah. him um so like he, he he used that um and like things like the whole uh, um uh what is it it's the it's a classic example of a parable um the guy that got beat up on the road. Why am I not the remembering Samaritan. The Samaritan. Good the Samaritan. The good Samaritan. The the Jewish people then did not like the Samaritans. Yes. Um, and the Samaritans did not like the Jewish people either. That's right. Um, they w- if Jesus said, yeah, love your neighbor, guys, Um. I don't really know. They wouldn't, they wouldn't
0: have applied it to the good Samaritan. I mean, Jesus, have he could
1: have made them understood it. Um, but, but
0: with the story, it really comes through. It's it's the reason why the Gospels are written differently because... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I forget exactly which one was written to, to who, but one was written specifically to the Jewish community. Yeah. One was written specifically with the Mark? spiritual no, I Matthew. Think. Matthew, I think
1: Matthew, because Matthew emphasizes, I think, the kingship of Jesus. Yeah, the kingship correctly. of
0: Jesus through yeah. uh, being by being Jewish. Um, mm-hmm. L- Mark was very specific; he was just writing to uh, tell a story. Yeah. Um, Luke, uh, Luke, no, John was a physician, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he wait, no, that was Luke. No, that was that Luke. Was Luke. Luke was also a historian. So. Historian, yeah. So yeah. uh but but John was very, was explaining the spiritual side because he was Yeah, he wanted them to understand what it meant that Jesus was the word of God, yes. the son of God. Yes. So yes. <laughs> so it, it, even even the the Bible passages have a reason to like the book of Ruth mm-hmm. has doesn't I believe that's the only uh it's either Ruth or Esther that doesn't mention God whatsoever. Uh that's Esther. Esther, yeah, oh, yeah. that's Esther. And the point of Esther is to show that God is working even though uh, he's not overtly present. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it really is. You don't see his name in it once, but you see his hand constantly, mm-hmm. even if the people in the situation can't. Yes. Um, so Jesus used parables to show uh, truths that people weren't necessarily going to give. And one of the things I want to do as a writer is to be able to connect with people through story to uh, share truths, Especially those spiritual truths, maybe not in every story, but in a big chunk of them, I want to be showing spiritual truths that people who might not really want to listen to these truths might be able to understand it in a new light. And Mm -hmm. uh, um, at least for them a new light, uh, the the truths don't change over time, um, but our reactions to them can. And sometimes the way they're presented can really affect yes. um, uh, positively or negatively uh, at least the understanding. That is the person's goal or responsibility. The person's response could be positive or negative, but to at least help them to understand that is uh, my goal. So like okay. this second book of Ayadash, that one's all about where does your strength come from? Um, and there's an answer. Read the book, you'll find <laughs> out. Uh, it has something to do with God, I'll tell you that. Um, I'm really
0: interested in your next uh, principle I'm seeing. Which one is it? The Clone Wars (laughs) Principle. Okay,
1: let's do that one next. So, the Clone Wars Principle. Yeah. Um, Be willing to go dark, but always be accessible to all ages. So have you watched Star Wars: The Clone Wars? Oh, of course Wars? I have. Yeah. yeah, I mean who hasn't? I mean I, I oh, know we're some both people Star have, Wars guys. You should, if, you, if you haven't watched the Clone Wars, it's like the best show ever. I would <laughs> die on that die on that hill. Um, it's so great. Um, but Clone Wars, you've you've seen the Clone Wars. You know like how dark it can get sometimes. Like with like the whole like inhibitor chips so like with if you, yeah. if you haven't seen The Clone Wars there's these Spoilers. guys called The Clones yeah. um, and uh, spoiler for like a movie that came out in 2003 um, right. the clones turn on the Jedi um, <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you in case if you want to see The Clone Wars because I highly encourage that um, uh, I'm not going to tell you exactly what happens but there's something called there's some chip in their heads, that does something, um, and they explore. And they, exp- exploit. they explore. Ex- they explore it. that uh, quite a bit, um, and that that was dark, but it was accessible because right. I, I watched it as like a high school student, and I wasn't scared out of my mind. Um, yeah.
0: Another show that does that really well, I was thinking about was uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh yes, that's and, a good one. And that, mm. that I I think even more better than the Clone Wars because it deals with well, tyranny. I'm agreeing to disagree on that. Well, Clone Wars, but. Mm. But it deals I'm with like, war. Out. It deals with like loss of innocence. Mm-hmm. It, like immediately, and it it deals with. Uh it deals with political situations and masterfully, and I like, feel like
1: we're describing the same show. It, well, it, it, it is. <laughs> it, it is almost
0: the same show. Uh, it's uh, granted. I think Avatar was done better only because there are some seasons of Clone Wars where it's like a little what's going on. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah there's
1: seven seasons. I wish there would have been nine, but I'm happy we got a seventh. Right. I'm very happy we got a seventh. But yeah, so Clone Wars goes dark sometimes. Um but it 's always accessible uh to as many people as it can because let 's be honest the world 's not a perfect place no. um if we 're thinking biblically, the curse of sin is like everywhere, and uh because of that, things hurt we hurt things happen that we can 't control we don 't have control over everything in our lives, and I wish we did, <laughs> but we don't um God does uh but we don't um and things can sometimes seem pretty dark at times. Um, and Clone Wars shows us that, but even then, it's accessible, and Clone Wars did a pretty good job at even, yeah. like, I don't want to spoil the last season because it's a new one, but even when everything seems to be falling apart, there's still Oops. a little bit of hope. Yeah. And I love that. I love that about it. And so, um, because I've ingested so much of the Clone Wars, I had to give it a principal right. on there. So.
0: So the next one.
1: The principle of audience. Uh, So craft for yourself, uh, craft your story for yourself with a mind for the audience. So right Mm. now I don't have a big audience just yet. Um, But this one's written so that in the future if I do get a bigger audience that I'm making sure, one, I'm writing the stories I want to write. But also also, I want to make sure I know what my audience wants so that I can please them a little bit. Um and maybe shock them a few times like oh here's something out of left field that I think you guys might like I know I like it um but yeah I I think having a mind for your audience will probably be important uh in the future because you got to understand the people you're writing for yeah and <laughs> even even now as you're
0: as you're starting like I, I had to think about that uh starting this podcast like who's gonna listen to this podcast who's gonna get uh information on this podcast and originally it it was just you know the local scene in Lancaster, but mm-hmm. I, I realized that this this stuff would probably be nice to listen to. I I know so many people who are just like listening to people talk, and fine. and uh, <laughs> you know just like listen to people's stories. And so I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna broaden the list a, a little bit to uh, writers, poets, and because it's all it's all it's all t- it's all art anyway. It's all mm-hmm. music anyway, in one way or another. Um So I, I figured that people are going to love to hear the writing aspect the filming aspect all the different aspects that are the that is the music and art industry
1: yeah yeah indeed yeah and so having a mind for the audience is pretty good too uh, the last one is diversify the world is a diverse place so craft characters that represents all colors shapes and ethnicities um I just think that's important cuz I think people want to see themselves oh, um, sure. in a story like I mean one of the reasons I like Kung Fu Panda so much is because I can relate to this nerdy big like uh chubby little panda uh who just has a lot of fun it's like I see myself somehow in Kung Fu Panda um so it's like if if I see myself in that movie Shouldn't others uh, see like themselves. themselves in that movie? And the funny thing is, even like Kung Fu Panda is a panda. Like I'm not a panda, but
0: like, but also, yeah.
1: but also, it's like I I relate to certain things. So I I think it, it, it relates to like yeah like ethnicity and all of that, but different cultures as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of these different things types. like uh, Encanto or uh, um Coco. Uh, Coco. Um, there's another one that came out recently that I forget what it is. What was there Was another one that was really
0: good. It um, was Kudo and the Two Strings. I haven't seen that one. yet. Oh, you haven't seen that one. Oh, no, so I good. want to. It's it so is. Good. Yes, it's oh, so good. good.
1: Okay, it's on my list. It's on my list. But like, I don't necessarily. I'm not really a part of those cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, the really good movies like it helps me understand other cultures better. Um, and like, there's so many people that um like find so much value in that because they can mm-hmm. see themselves, and I think that's beautiful. So, yeah, I just want to uh, just always be getting better at doing that um, and making sure that, like, people can see themselves in the stories that are being told. So those are my nine writer's convictions.
0: Um, yeah. All right. Well, there you go. There well, you have it. With that said, we're kind of rounding out our time on the radio. So I would love to hear some of the poetry you have uh, set out for us.
1: Gotcha. OK, uh, I'm going to make sure that the radio people gets my favorite one. Okay. Uh, so this one is right at the beginning of the book.
0: This is Poems for the Redeemed yes, Heart, by the Yes, Poems
1: for the Redeemed Heart by K.A. Beckel. Hey, that's me. <laughs> so let's open it up. Um, hmm. How, how much time you've got before... Um
0: We'll do one poem and then and then we'll gotcha.
1: Okay, okay. Um, I'm trying to think if I should read the f- the foreword to this poem. It's uh,
0: is it is it what is it?
1: I'm gonna skip it
0: because okay. it's
1: three pages. Um, well, we'll talk
0: about it on Facebook Live. There so you can go. Us there,
1: Yeah. Um. So very short. This um is just a look at Jesus uh through the eyes of different people in Scripture. Mm um just a creative look at what different people might have been thinking about him during his ministry um i think that's all you need to know if you want me to read the foreword afterwards unless if it's self explanatory itself you, you
0: could buy the book
1: or you, you can, can buy the, the book and you'll see it yourself there you go uh but this is Jesus through the eyes of Jesus through the eyes of the Pharisees Who does this man think he is to speak against our laws? To call us vipers, hypocrites, on whom God's wrath will fall. Does he not know who we are? We're teachers of God's law. He only says, listen to them, but be not like them at all. Maybe he has a demon. Maybe he's Satan's spawn. Yet still he keeps proclaiming that he will fulfill the law. He claims to come from God above and blasphemes God's pure name. He, says we, will not, he says, and says we will not see God if we don't believe his name. Jesus through the eyes of the poor. Whoever thought a man like this would talk to sinners so, he reaches out to the unclean and makes our bodies whole. The Pharisees say he's a fraud and say that he's possessed. But how can demons raise the dead and give the weary rest? I do not know who he may be, but this one thing I know. He welcomes the low and despised, so to him we will go. To see the captive's bonds released as sick men's lives, as sick men's lives are healed? God's kingdom has been brought to earth. He wipes away our tears. Jesus, through the eyes of the disciples, we know he's much more than this. We know he's more than man. He, came, he claims to come from God above and forgives sinful man. He teaches us, but there's much more that we think he has planned. For we know he's the Christ of God who's come to save this land. Yet where's his army? Where's his sword? The Romans are still here. Mm. He says to love your neighbor and tells us, do not fear. But we just can't shake this feeling that he's got more in store. He speaks of crucifixion and says his death is sure. Jesus through the eyes of the Romans. Why did they bring this man to us? What danger could he be? They say to put him on the cross because of blasphemy. They say he's against Caesar. They say that he's a king. Though he's led no rebellion, what trouble could he bring? He claims to give life to all man. He claims to save the world. But now that he's upon the cr- a cross, his failure is assured. People laugh as they walk by, as their king was lifted high. And so the innocent man died with a God-forsaken cry.
0: Hmm.
1: Jesus through the eyes of the demons. We tried to tempt him in the flesh, but he would not give in. We knew that he would never sin, so we would just kill him. (laughs) The time to strike the heel has come, to destroy Adam's seed, we laughed with hate, cursing God as we did the deed. Our prince knew that the end would come. Our plans would soon unfurl. For still God ruled over all things and planned to save the world. But we don't care. We'll spread more lies, for that is what we do. Even though our plan may fail after a day or two, or three. Jesus, through the eyes of the Father. But I sent him with purpose, to die a sinner's death so that those who would trust in him might have eternal rest. He did what no other man could and fulfilled all my laws. He was the perfect sacrifice to reverse Adam's fall. I sent him to reveal myself and to show that God loved man and show that there's forgiveness in the Son of Man. My Christ came from the promised seed and in faithfulness he bore all the filthy sins of man so they bear them no more. And I shall glorify my son and raise him from the dead and give him all authority, for for the world he bled. And at his name all knees will bow and give eternal praise, for through him and through him alone my people will be saved. Jesus through the eyes of the church. And now we do not stand condemned but can approach our God. For he's given us righteousness, and in light now we trod. Nothing could ever separate us from his mercy great. We know we could not earn this gift. That's why we call it grace. And so we sing with outstretched hands and glorify his name, for he has given us new life. His people whom he saved, we are the church, we are his bride, he is our friend and by our side. But best of all, he is our God. To Jesus be all praise. That's Jesus through the eyes
0: of. That's
1: pretty cool, man.
0: Uh, that probably took a lot of research and, um, like, biblical research.
1: Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It was quite a bit of flipping through scriptures and uh, seeing what people said about him.
0: Well, hey, this has been wonderful. Um, on the radio sides we're gonna we're gonna end and go back to regular radio if you want to listen more to the story podcast we have uh at least a little bit left to go through um you can follow us at the uh, facebook.com forward slash The story podcast no sorry facebook.com forward slash the story Cory rosen that's c o r y r o s e n you can follow us on Spotify, uh, search, search the story, Corey Rosen. You'll find us. It's the it's the red letters with the brick background, and it's really cool. If you <laughs> want to find more stuff from Kenny, you can find him at Facebook. Uh, his page is Yannek. that is N E K storybook, storybunk, sorry, <laughs> uh, Instagram, k.a.bechtel. You can find his books on Amazon, Mud and Daisies, and Poems for the Redeemed Heart. With that said, we're going to go. thing, If you want to go to my blog, oh, I have yes. a
1: preview right now, currently, of the book that I am currently writing. Oh. Yeah. And nice what's and no the surprise. blog? What's the blog? Uh, it's kabecto.com. It should pop up on the first thing right now. So.
0: I right, Well, with that said, I hope you guys on the radio have a wonderful day. And it is time to get back to the radio.